Morgan, what is your favorite song to sing, and what is your favorite song to dance to? So I have a lot of favorites. Okay, I tell me some of your favorite songs. Uh, Uptown Funky Up. How does it go? Uptown Funky Up, Uptown Funky Up. Mm-hmm, how does that song start? Dance, jump on it. To sit in the phone, kick in the bone, sit in the bone, dance, jump on it. But don't believe me, that's why. Hey, yum's the word. Haven't you heard? The yum's the word. It was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And her hair has lots of curls. Actually, I blow it out a lot. Two stories, some awkward. Like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend. Pretty funny and absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people, too. This is for everyone. Except kids. Yum's the word. Hey everybody, welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein, and at the top you heard my niece Morgan singing a little uptown funk, or as she put it, something else. I love that she sings with so much commitment, especially when she knows the lyrics. She, you know, when she's like, dance, it just cracks me up. And I hope, hope, hope. Morgan, I hope you don't kill me when you're older for playing these clips. All right, so we had Morgan kick us off with a catchy tune because today's episode is all about music. I've been singing my whole life. I play piano. I love music. In fact, I performed some of my original comedy songs at the Kennedy Center a little over a year ago. It was the same night as the Kennedy Center Honors, which was unbelievable. And our first storyteller, Gigi Lee, knocked it out of the park with her story that night. Now, Gigi is a comedian and storyteller here in New York. She has written humor pieces for Reductress, Above Average, and The Toast. And this is her story of being fish out of water at Bible camp and how Mariah Carey was her salvation. Um, so when I was 11, I accidentally went to Bible camp. It was called Kids Camp. Camp spelled with a K, so you knew it was like a cool Bible camp. And my best friend Amy convinced me to go. It was outside of Miami, where we were from, and it was a week-long sleepaway camp. And at the end of the week, they had a talent show. And even though she mentioned it was sponsored by her Baptist church, All I could think was, oh my God, talent show? I have all of these song and dance routines that I never get to perform. This is my time to shine. And so I convinced my atheist Korean parents to let me go to this Bible camp. And I was like, it's really cheap. And they said yes, because they love a bargain more than their beliefs. (laughs) And I was so excited and I start to prepare my routine. And since this is my first time performing for an audience, I decided to go with something simple, like a song by Mariah Carey. (laughs) And the song is Someday, which is classic Mariah belting it out. Thank you, yes. And it is classic 90s R&B with a guitar solo that just happens to work. Um, And I start practicing, and I don't know if it's my lack of vocal training or the fact that I don't have Mariah's five octave range, but I can't hit the high notes at the end when she's like, someday. 
And so my solution is, I'm still going to sing the song, obviously, but at the end, I'm going to pump up the music and do a dance routine, thereby uh, avoiding my weakness, actual singing, and highlighting my strengths, 90s dance moves. I was like, this camp won't know what hit them. So I get to the camp, and it is in this secluded area in the woods. It's the perfect site for a camp or human sacrifice. And everyone is white. Everyone is Baptist. I was like, oh, I forgot about that. And, and I feel like, well, just because I'm Korean and the only non-Baptist person here doesn't mean I'm different from everyone else. I have nothing to worry about. And then I get to my cabin, and I'm unpacking. And as I'm unpacking, I start singing Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And my counselor just stops me and says, that song is inappropriate. It's about being possessed by the devil. And I was like, I just liked it because it was in Wayne's World. And then it starts to hit me like, wow, uh, when they mentioned Bible Cab, <laughs> I didn't realize that they were going to like make references to the Bible all the time. And... It just got much more Bible-y from there. Um, we had the same schedule every day. We had morning worship, afternoon worship, evening worship, campfire worship. And I would just look around and be like, oh my God, is no one here 11? Like, aren't you guys bored? And we were only allowed to have church-approved like fun activities. Like, we were allowed to watch movies um, like uh, The Rocketeer or Driving Miss Daisy. And we also had choir. And choir was taught by this very nice old man who taught us songs that made me feel a little self-conscious. Like one song, um, and feel free to sing along if you remember this. It's, uh, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. Very catchy. And um, at the end of that song, they made us do a racial roll call. So it'd be like, Jesus loves little children, red. And everyone had to go, woo, 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 woo. Yellow, ching chong, ching chong. Black, it was like breakdancing. And then white was just shooting guns at each other, because they were cowboys. And I would just look around being like, oh my God, is no one here an adult? Do you not see anything wrong with this? But the adults are singing louder than the kids, and they're really into it. And so now I feel very out of place. And on top of that, my one friend Amy uh, kind of ditches me to hang out with the cool Bible kids. And I'm physically sick because I kind of went to town on all of the American food that I never get to have at home. So uh, it is wreaking havoc on my stomach. I have to go to the infirmary. So even my stomach starts to feel out of place. And in this moment of loneliness and exclusion, I turn to my only salvation, Mariah. And I put all of my energy and efforts into this routine. And so while everyone else is at, is at worship, I sneak into the bathroom and practice my moves. Because I need to do Mariah justice. And I need to show these people that I am not just some color in a racial roll call. I am a performer who just happens to not have any vocal or dance training, okay? <laughs> and so now it's the night of the talent show. I have survived a week of worship, racist Bible songs, starch and I am ready and people go up and perform and they do a Bible rap and they sing songs by Amy Grant which, which is kind of catchy and then it's my turn and while everyone else is wearing khakis and buttoned up collared shirts I am wearing skin tight spandex because I need everyone to see this body <laughs> moving even though I'm 11 and I start singing 
you were so blind to let me go. And all of the, like, the audience members, like, are there, like, politely nodding along. <laughs> and then the music comes on. And I start with some dance moves. Easy, like a little kitten play, a little Roger Rabbit. <laughs> and then I unleash the pelvic thrusts. I do a pelvic thrust over here! And then I do a pelvic thrust over here! And then I do a round-the-world pelvic thrust! Surely such thrusting had never been seen in such a holy sight! And the audience is loving it! And I feel good, I feel confident, I'm not gonna hold back. So I decide I'm gonna do my piece de resistance, a move that I've been perfecting all week. A backbend with more pelvic thrusts! I am basically humping the air. And, and then I think, oh wait, did I go too far? Like, can they handle such secular movement? And I look out, and the crowd is going wild. They are hooting and hollering. It is as if they are possessed by the spirit of Mariah Carey herself. <laughs> to this day, that was the best performance of my life. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was the last night of camp, so the next day, no one remembered and no one cared. But I still felt like a superstar. And um, that week, I did not find Jesus. Uh, but I did find my love of performing, and to this day, I bow to the altar of Mariah Carey. Thank you. You can follow Gigi on Twitter at Genius. That's J-I-N-I-U-S. And you can see her thrusting with all her might on our Twitter feed from March 30th at Yum's The Word Show. You know, I can relate to Gigi's story of being a fish out of water because I'm Jewish, as many of you know, and my parents sent my sisters and me to church camp. It was totally confusing. I'm the oldest of three girls, so my sisters and I uh, were just like, what do we do? And they would look to me for advice when they were singing about Jesus because, like in Gigi's story, we sang all day long. Morning thought, evening prayers, vespers, it was constant. So what I would tell my sisters, because we don't believe in Jesus, I would say, just don't sing the parts about Jesus. So we would do things like, yes, mm-hmm, loves me, yes, mm-hmm, loves me, yes, mm-hmm, loves me, the Torah tells me so. That's how you get through a summer of church camp when you're a little Jewish girl. Speaking of my sisters, we are going to see Duran Duran this summer, and we cannot wait. We are huge Durannies, huge Durannies. Um, so I recently chatted with my sister Lori, Morgan's mom, about the big show. So Lori, are you excited for the concert we're going to this summer? Duran Duran, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which song are you excited to hear the most? Probably Wild Boys. Oh. Well, Is that not what Jill said? No. What'd she say? She said the reflex. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I don't know which one I'm excited about. Did you have a crush on any of the I did. Duran members? I may have. Was it? I, I think his name <laughs> was Nick Rhodes. Oh, he was the one who wore makeup sometimes. I know, this is a little interesting. Um, I liked him so much that there was a picture from his wedding in like Bop magazine. Uh-huh. And I cut out his wife's face and put in mine. <laughs> and hung it on the door. 
for you? I don't know. 12? Could I have been here? It's whenever you were hanging Sting and whoever on your doors. You can find a picture of Lori and Nick Rhodes from her Cut Up Bop magazine on our Instagram at Yum's the Word Show. Just kidding, Lori. She would totally kill me. All right, next up is Mark Abbott. Mark is a novelist, playwright, short film director, and storyteller. He's also a Moth Story Slam and Grand Slam winner. The first time he went to both, he won. Not too shabby. This is his story about the perks of being friends with Emmanuel Lewis. So, Emmanuel Lewis. Not Arnold from different strokes. <laughs> Webster. Now, how I came to become a friend of his, he happened to be in my mother's math class when she was a teacher. His mother and my mother became friends. And this was at the height of Webster, right when he became Webster. Imagine living in Brooklyn, and having this guy come over to your house to hang out. The first time, it was exhilarating. The tenth time, he was family. And so at that point, we were just like, okay, fine, it's Emmanuel Lewis, he's by the house. 1988, I decided to go to the movies with a group of friends, and we did not come straight home. This incensed my father, because apparently, he was told something I wasn't. And he found me walking down the street. He drove up, nearly hit me with the car, and said, you got to get in the car now because you are about to miss the biggest event of the year. And I was like, what happened? He said, just get in the damn car. We got to go. So we get home, and I'm like, what happened? He goes, Emmanuel Lewis got us tickets, third row for Michael Jackson. Now, this is the first concert I've ever been to. And this is the major thing, because our room was plastered with Michael Jackson stuff. And so my brother and I have lost our minds. And we're like, oh my God, we're going to see Michael Jackson, we're going to see Michael Jackson. And remember now, this is 88. There were no digital anything, so my dad had everything on film. He put his camera together and we went out. And so here we are in Madison Square Garden, Third row to the left, about maybe right where the camera is, that's where the stage is. Janet Jackson's in front of us. Cindy Lauper's two seats over from us. Um, Lou Albano is sitting next to Cindy Lauper. And then there's Emmanuel Lewis. And so this was the most phenomenal concert I had ever seen in my life. If you never got to see Michael when he was alive, it was there are no words to explain this evening. And we sang every song and we danced every dance. And Manny, we called him Manny for short, had to leave early because once the concert let out, he was gonna get mobbed. So he said, listen, I'm staying down at the Helmsley Hotel. You guys come over after the, after the show. And so we walked. Because my father's like, I'm not paying for a cab. We'll just walk to the east side. It's not that far. Nine blocks later, 
we're walking through the Helmsley Hotel and Emmanuel's sister is waiting for us in the, in the lobby. And she says, listen, Manny isn't in his room. There's a party going on upstairs. So we're going to go meet him at the party. So we go, we get on the elevator, we go up to this party, the door opens and there's this huge ballroom. Now, my parents are young enough, still relatively young enough, that there's Cool in the Gang, Earth, Wind and Fire, Sugar Ray Leonard. So my father's having a fit. He's just snapping photos. My mother has turned 13. And we're walking through this crowd and my brother and I have no idea who half these people are other than the albums that are in the house. So we get through this whole party, get around the corner, and she goes, well, Manny's down the hall. So we get down the hall, and there's Emmanuel standing outside this room. And he goes, hey, you guys made it. Come here, I want to introduce you to someone. And we walk in the room, and there's Michael Jackson. Standing there talking to Emmanuel's mother. No words could describe this exact moment because we all knew he knew Michael. He had been to every show that Michael had been to, every award show, and that was the one person we had never met. We had met all these other famous people, but never Michael Jackson. And so my brother is looking at me, he goes, is that him? And I'm like, it looks like him. <laughs> and we walk in and he is just as friendly as all get up. He is so happy to see a family. He walks over, he hugs my mother, he shakes my father's hand, and we're just... <laughs> and so my father's like, say something, you idiot. Say something. Tell him you go to LaGuardia that you sing. I'm like, I'm not telling Michael Jackson I sing. He goes, tell him you sing. Maybe you can get something out of this deal. I'm like, I'm not telling Michael Jackson I sing. So... I sit in the corner and I do one of these moments where, you know, you've ever been someplace where you just try to make a memory? Like, it doesn't matter. You're, you're, I'm taking in the color of the wallpaper in this room and the window and who's in the room because I've got to remember this. I've got to hold on to this. And finally, my brother goes, well, you know what? I'm going to get an autograph. And he walks up and he goes, Michael, we have a program from your show. Would you sign it? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I walk up and I said, you mind if I get a photo with you? He goes, no, no, come on. And he puts his arm around me, and I put my arm around him. And my dad takes the photo. And it's at that moment I get a good look at Michael. Because not many people are going to get this close. So you can kind of see where he had had the plastic surgery. And he was thin. But he was just the nicest guy, and he didn't have that high voice that we were used to hearing him speak with. He had like sort of a baritone voice, which made us wonder why he talked like that when he was doing interviews and everything. And he was just happy. I'd never seen such a happy individual in my life. And so my dad wandered off, and he's talking to some guy about his camera and stuff like that. And he's the only person in the family that does not have a photo with Michael. No one took a photo of my dad and Michael. He took all the photos of us. We, get, we leave. We get on the train. And my mother's like, well, I'm sure you're going to remember this for the rest of your life, that you met Michael Jackson. We go home. 
And the next day, my dad gets up early and runs to the mall because he used to send his photos out to a company to have them developed. But he's like, I'm not sending these out. Somebody's going to steal the negatives. So he went to the one-hour photo shop, to which he tells us when he went, the women in there lost their minds because he sat there waiting for the photos to be developed, and they started screaming in the back. And they were like, is that really him? And he's like, yeah, give me my photos, please. Give me my-. my brother and I are in the basement, and we're calling like all of our friends. We told them everything that happened. And at one point, I go upstairs, and my mother's on the phone in the kitchen. And she's like, yeah, no, no, thank you so much, but I believe my kids are all Michael Jacksoned out. And she hangs the phone up. I was like... So I said, well, who is that? She was like, it was Manny. Michael wanted to know if you wanted to come hang out at the hotel. Ah! What? She goes, well, listen... You have to learn in life that you can't wear out your welcome. You got a chance to meet him. That should be enough. And my father's sitting there like. (laughs) And she turns to my dad and goes, by the way, Manny said to tell you that Quincy said thank you. And my father said, Quincy who? She said, Quincy Jones. My father like, now my father was a jazz man. He had every Quincy Jones album on the planet. He's like, Quincy Jones was not at the hotel. And she goes, yes, he was. He was the guy you were talking to about the camera. (laughs) And he's looking at us, and he goes, so there's no way for us to go back to the hotel and and hang out with Mike. I have to say I've met a lot of famous people in my time, um, whether on the street or after shows or on television. But this was the most moving experience, I have to say. And the funny thing is, is that my brother and I stopped talking about this years ago because people used to make fun of us. And he used to make fun of Michael. And then there was the accusations that we took a cardboard cutout to a hotel and took pictures with it, which made no sense. But there are photos. That was Mark Abbott. You can find him on Twitter at who is Mark with a C. Who is Mark L. Abbott? Two B's, two T's. And at his new show, man, you got to hear this. That's like 10 A's in man. Now, you can also see a picture of Mark and Michael Jackson on our Instagram at yums the word show. I'm not kidding about that. That is actually there. Now, I remember when I met my favorite band, I was living in Atlanta, and I went to see In Excess. Now, I was obsessed with the drummer, John Ferris. Everybody else was all about Michael Hutchins, the lead singer. And I went to this amphitheater, and uh, they were long, large rows. And out struts Michael Hutchins. He comes right to me. I'll never forget it. I had a purple shirt on because I like purple. And he reaches out to me 
And he puts his hand on my shoulder and he sings, Mystify, mystify me. Look at me right in the eye. Mystify, mystify me. And he turns around, whips his wavy hair around, and I basically like fell on the floor. I was like, I get it. I get why everybody's obsessed with him. He's super sexy. And oh my God, he just touched me. Whoa, whoa. Loved it. So I get it. Maybe not as moving as meeting Michael Jackson, but... It's right up there. Because then he died three months later. So, so sad. All right. So Auntie's 75th birthday is coming up this weekend. It's actually this Saturday. And we want to pay tribute to her. So please tell us any of your favorite Auntie moments, why you like Auntie, why she makes you laugh. And we'll feature some of those online on the podcast and with her. So you can send all of your birthday messages to Auntie at Yum's The Word Show. Also, we have got two fantastic shows coming up. First up, have you maybe been wanting to tell a story? You can try it out at our Yum's the Word Open Mic Storytelling Show on May 17th. It's free at Le Poisson Rouge. You can find all the details on our website. And we've got some really exciting news. We have been asked to participate in this year's New York City PodFest. It's on Saturday, May 21st at 7.15, and it's a 50-minute show instead of a 90-minute show. And even though we won't be serving ice cream cakes, we will have Morgan Spurlock, who created the movie Supersize Me, Hassan Minaj from The Daily Show, and more to be announced. They're all telling stories that night, and that show will definitely sell out. So get tickets and details at yumsthewordshow.com. I hope to see you at both. And before we wrap up this episode, I have to wish two very special people happy birthday. First of all, my faithful and super creative co-producer, Alex's fiance, Katie. Now, as I'm saying this, it just turned midnight on Katie's birthday. Katie, thank you so much for being such a huge supporter of the show and for letting me borrow Alex a few times a month to work with me way into the wee hours of the night. Happy, happy birthday. And of course, I have to wish Auntie a very happy 75th birthday. She's the one who taught me how to make ice cream cakes, and she inspired this entire show. Auntie, even though you drive me up the freaking wall, I love you so, so much, and I am so lucky to have you as my aunt. By the way, she'll probably never hear this because she thinks a podcast is a round brown thing that sits on your desk. So with that, Auntie, happy 75th birthday, and gay cock and often yum. Gay cock. Oh, shit in the ocean. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton, who wrote some of the music. And the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Matt Fiddler, Michael Cedar, Danny Artis, Megan Deneen, Talia Sharon, Carly Patron, and of course, Auntie, Lori, and Morgan. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. Thanks for listening. Hope you get a piece. And until next time. Shalom, Lori. Shalom, bitches. Shalom, <laughs> Morgan. Shalom. Achoo. Bless you. Bless you. I have allergies. I'm sorry. Yum's the word.